probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Rob Kelly from Superman Movie Minute. Awesome. Thanks for coming back after the uh, after the craziness of yesterday. You made it. <laughs> if uh, I could survive... Well, I was about to say, if I could survive yesterday, I could survive any day, but this one, this minute's even worse. <laughs> I think so. I think uh, these, these last two uh, days of the week are going to... They're gonna they're gonna try us a little bit. It's <laughs> a lot to lot to get into. So um, yeah, so minute eighty four of the thing begins with uh, Palmer kind of shaking or vibrating on the couch there as everybody's starting to freak out, and then ends a minute later with uh, windows being thrown at the uh, the shelf full of board games. <laughs> so uh, yes, yeah, so things don't go too well for Windows in the interim. Yeah, so as we start this minute, uh, Palmer has got this kind of very creepy like. He's he's totally calm while everybody else is kind of freaking out. He's got this like creepy calm look on his face as he's sort of just shaking like something's happening inside of him. And it's almost like his face is disconnected from his body or something. It's it's so unsettling. Yeah. If there's any vestige of Palmer left, it, it, it's disappearing at this moment. Yeah. You know, like whatever whatever's left of him is is about to just disappear and never be seen again. That alien conspiracy theorist we've all known and loved. Is uh, is no more, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All those uh, books about the Incas are up for grabs now. Yeah, really. Somebody, somebody, uh, one of these guys is going to be running out of this room to grab his uh, his porno stash as quickly as possible. I'm going to claim those up. But uh, yeah, so um, basically, what we get for this whole minute is um, uh, what I like to note that it's you know practical effects, as amazing as they are, a big part of making practical effects work is tying it in with the editing. So, you know, the key thing with this one, I think, is that it's done in a bunch of stages. So, uh, you know, the effect is not just one effect that morphs from one thing to another. It's a whole bunch of steps that lead up to this final, you know, transformation. And, and the way they cut back and forth between them really sells it. You never, you, you don't really have the time to, you know, really think about the fact that they're separate, totally separate effects, that it really blends in together because we're seeing everybody's, re- we're cutting back and forth between those different stages and everybody's reactions where they're getting increasingly terrified of what they're seeing, which is uh, works just perfectly in this scene. I guess part of the effect has to work is that the images that Carpenter is presenting as he keeps cutting back and forth are so horrific that I think anybody except the most diehard gore hounds it wants to turn away a little bit. Sure. Like it's, it's just so awful. I mean, even, I mean the, the, the hard cuts, cause I mean, we see David Clennon in, 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 as he normally looks. And then we cut it with the McCready just as his flamethrower burns out. Uh, uh, and then, then the cut back to, to, to Palmer and the blood is pouring out his eyes and his, it's just, it, I'm, I have it freeze framed here and it's just, it's awful. I mean, you just, it looks like agony you know, for this to be happening, like the human body's not meant to undergo this kind of uh, torture. And it's just, oh, God. And so I think that 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 helps cover up 
maybe the you know what might be some some seams here and there, but sure. I, I don't even think you see them. But it just it it helps the effect. It's just you're just so it's just so hideous to look at. Right. It's one of those kind of it's almost like an uncanny valley sort of thing where like. You know, what, to me, like when he's when he's completely transformed by the end of this minute, that's almost less scary than like this very first uh, effect shot we get because at this point it still looks a lot like Palmer. Right. Like it's still it's still a person, but it's just something is very very wrong. Like it's sort of starting to stretch in ways that are unnatural, and obviously the blood is pouring out. And and then at the very end of that that first effect shot, the eyes kind of sort of start to bulge. We get that like rubbery Ugh. sound effect. It's so Ugh. gross. <laughs> Uh, like that's to me, that's almost grosser than the, the, uh, the, you know, the final form of, of Palmer thing, just because that, that form is so inhuman that it's, you know, it's, it's less believable. Like this is almost a person, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, um, Jeff Goldblum in the fly, like yeah, yeah. his final tra- his final transformation where he's just a fly is in some ways less creepy than the one that you can recognizably see Jeff Goldblum is under there. Cause you're like, yeah, he's still human, but he's decaying. It's awful. As opposed to when he's just a full on monster. At oh, the end. definitely. Yeah. That's a great comparison. Um, yeah. And that, that's a movie where like this, this minute of this movie gets drawn out over like an hour and a half <laughs> in the fly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. So this first stage, he's just kind of got the bulging eyes and the blood's coming out. And then uh, we cut away to the to the guys trying to escape the couch and, and the flamethrower not working. And then we cut back and stage two is is going on and it's similar except that there's now uh, even more like gross lumps that are like bubbling up on his face and he's like oh, like you can still tell it's Palmer like you know there's a forehead and eyes and hair but it's getting increasingly hard to tell you know what's <laughs> you know what's still there or not. And uh, yeah, it's just sort of this gross blobby looking thing moving around. And, and it's, you know, uh, props to the uh, the puppeteers on Rob Bottin's team from the way the head just kind of moves around is so creepy. And like, mm. it's it's more than just like this static effect of like the eyes bulging out, which should be creepy on its own. But the fact that the head is kind of, you know, moving around and very kind of in, in a very kind of lifelike way definitely makes it even more unsettling that it's like you feel like this is actually happening, that it's not just some kind of effect that's you know in front of a green screen on a static shot you can almost hear i almost feel you can feel the delight of john carpenter of just shoving the camera so close up in this now you know he's been relative before the surgery scene the film's been relatively subtle and now he's just like you know okay well let's floor it you know and now i'm just (laughs) going to show you the most horrific and you know i it's easy for us and i don't mean to 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 jump around or anything, but like, you know, it's easy for us to look back on critics of 1982 that trash this movie. And we're like, Oh, come on. What was wrong with you people? But at the same time, like I'm trying to imagine like, you know, Pauline kale and like right. Vincent Camby and all these kind of high-minded people watching this thing in theater and just watching someone's head explode open like this. I mean, I don't know. It's like, what other reaction could they have? They just weren't prepared for something like this. Right. And this is like, you know, this is even pre something like Videodrome where like, you know, uh, you know, horror movies have always had, not, not always, but in a lot of horror movies have had these kind of like gross transformations. I mean, something like American Werewolf that came out right around the same time as this had a transformation that was, you know, maybe equally gross and disturbing and everything. And, and, and is one of the greatest effects of all time, but it's also like this very kind of, you know, a werewolf is something that we all know about and like, we recognize what it's supposed to be. Whereas this is something that's totally unique and like 
like every time we cut away and cut back, you have no idea what to expect. You're like what you're going to see the next time we come back to it, you know, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 When they when they cut away to Gary and he's like, oh, my God, get me out of here. And then you're like, oh, please don't cut back because I don't right. want to know what I'm about to see. <laughs> but at the same time, you're dying to see what's next. Right. Because it's such a unique thing. We have no idea what's happening. Like it's we know he's transforming. But I mean, just like the Norris thing, we have no idea what is going on. Like there's there's no precedent for this whatsoever. You have to wonder, like, is the thing when the thing assimilates other life forms, is it is it this awful? Like, or right. are there other life forms that maybe are assimilated a little easier? It certainly seems like the thing and the human body do not mix. Like for the thing to pop out of a human, it's you. There's a lot of destruction that has to happen. Right. Or it's like, you know, even with the dog was it was pretty gory, too, but not not nearly this bloody, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, oh. So. You know, it, it it almost makes me wonder if it's something like, you know, in, in an ideal situation for the thing, if it assimilates something, it has enough time to take over completely in a way that, you know, it could just, you know, reach its, you know, I guess kind of like Blair does later, reach out his hand and, and assimilate somebody without any kind of gore, no fuss, no muss kind of thing. Right. Uh, but maybe, you know, Palmer's only only three quarters of the way there or something. So it's it's still, you know, it's having to rip through the human body that's left or something. You know, I don't I don't know, but. Yeah, it's certainly bloodier than, you know, any, you know, you don't think any animal would ever want to do it, something like this to itself, even in self-defense. No. Oh, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the form of Palmer we get at the 16 second mark, I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. It's yep. just a pile of gray and red and it's just writhing around and it's just, it's like, I, oh my God, and the, you know, <laughs> you just can't believe it. And then, and then the reverse shot where it's, it's trying to get out of the ropes and its arms are, it's got those flippy hands that Bennings had. Oh, it's Lord. just, Oh man. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So that, so that third stage is like, it's like the in head is like inflating in all sorts of really gross ways. It's just like a blob of flesh that's vaguely resembles a head. And then, yeah. And then we basically just pull back and see that now it's the face is like, kind of like, like when it's riding around on the couch, it's kind of got like a skull looking face mm-hmm. a little bit, almost like the skin is just sort of melted off. And then, yeah, like you said, he's got the same hands as uh, as that we saw in Bennings, which was just a, a cheap way to do the Bennings effect because <laughs> that that was done much later. Um, they were just like, hey, grab those gloves we used from the uh, from the Palmer thing. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like every part of his body is just sort of like blowing up or like stretching out or something. So And he's just sort of flapping around trying to get out of the ropes like yeah again palmer is completely gone at this point like there's no sign aside from the cool uh you know torn denim vest there's nothing that resembles palmer at this point (laughs) yeah oh and then he smashes into the the floor with his feet which again like we haven't i don't know like to this point i don't think we've seen necessarily that the thing possesses that kind of strength right i mean it certainly is formidable because it's fast and it's icky and it's got all sorts of things. But like we, when we see him smash into the floor with his feet, you're like, wow, this thing is also kind of like just really strong as well. He just, just has sheer bulk that, that it can, you know, outmatches any human. Right. Yeah. And this, in the next like 10 seconds or so, we see the thing do two things that it never does again, but, uh, but that really sell kind of the, like, uh, you know, how formidable the thing actually is that, yeah. So it, it kicks into the floor and literally breaks through the tile. And then I guess, you know, it pushes up the couch, which I never thought about it until I was watching it just before we podcasted. But um, I guess that means that the legs are like stretching, like to be like six feet long Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he's stretching his legs out enough to pull, push the couch up that high with everybody on it, which is, 
again, it's it's a creepy thing to think about that, you know, it's it's elongating its body like that, but it's also another kind of strength thing that it's pushing up this couch with two other guys on it, like like it's nothing. Um, and then, uh, you know, it lets down the couch and it's escaped from the ropes and then it does, it jumps up, you know, McCready's still trying to use his flamethrower and then it jumps up and attaches itself to the ceiling like a, <laughs> like a spider or something. Like, I didn't even know. <laughs> uh, it's such a, it's like, to me, this is one of the most creepy things in the movie because it's so unnatural. It, it's like, it defies physics even, you know, like that the thing is, it's so cosmic. It's so unknowable that it, it, you know, it can even do something like this. And we don't even, we never even really understand how or why we just have to accept it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so powerful that it actually even forces a piece of debris to fall the wrong direction. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's a great effect. Uh, I should mention that um. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, we've had a, a Warlock watch on the on an episode here, <laughs> but uh, good old Dick Warlock, who we've seen uh, in play, also have all sorts of little cameos in the movie. Is uh, he's one of the lead stuntmen in the movie. He uh, he's in the Palmer suit at that point, and basically they just built the ceiling on the floor, and right. then uh, and he just falls falls down to it. Uh, what what looks like the ceiling, but uh, it's a it's a very convincing effect. It looks and you know just the way the camera moves with it and. You know, obviously, it's kind of funny. I don't think he was supposed to bust through the floor, the uh, ceiling slash floor there, but uh, it it works because again, like you said, it makes it seem kind of even more like powerful. But but yeah, it's a great. It's just another one of those like super simple things, like the blood or or you know, like the reverse shots that we've seen in a couple scenes. That uh, you know, it's very obvious, easy effect, but it sells so well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on top of all the ho- the net, all the horror that's going on already. I also feel like in this moment that the thing itself isn't in full control of what it's doing, which is even more terrifying. Like yeah. if there's anything scarier than the thing, it's the thing that can't control itself. It's like, oh, my God, you know, because it feels like it's just throwing itself in any direction to get out of the way of McCready's flame, which they assume is coming. So the, the fact that it like so violently slams itself up against the ceiling, you're like, well, I don't think the thing would do that on purpose. Right. But it's just trying to get away. And that to me is even more sort of terrifying. Right. Yeah. Or, or like it almost doesn't know its own strength or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's definitely it's yeah. It's such a creepy, unnerving moment just in for a lot, for a lot of reasons. Um, but then we get what is, uh, one of my, I think maybe one of my favorite shots of the movie when, uh, you know, uh, McCready tells Windows to blast it and Windows finally gets his act together and is about to do something. And then we're looking down at Windows and then we see the, uh, the Palmer things jump down and the way he lands is like, I'm assuming this is probably, I don't know if this is Dick Warlock or, uh, or David Clennon in the suit at this point, but we just see him from behind. We get this over the shoulder shot of him looking at windows and the way he lands is like so creepily confident. Like, yeah, I'm about to kill you. Like <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's really, really creepy to me. Just the way he lands. It's, it's kind of a, it's almost like a badass moment for the thing itself. Like now he seems like he's in control the way he lands back on the ground there. Do you think the thing has been doing like psychological analyses of the other people? Like, does it, does the thing know that windows is, is going to, not be able to handle this because clearly he can't because he drops the flame like he waits for the thing to fall in front right. of him before he does as opposed to just starting there and burning the thing while it's still on the ceiling like it, it i don't does the thing have some knowledge that that windows is is going to not be able to handle this is that why he's taking care of him first instead of although you think it would go after mccready first because it's got to know that mccready's the more capable 
but or is it just looking to get another victim? Right. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's a good question, but I do think it, it probably knows. You know, obviously, it knows everything Palmer knew is is what we're what we're told. So, you know, if it knows everything that he knows, it probably does have a sense of that Windows is is maybe the weakest of the group and the easiest to pick off. And yeah, I mean, in some ways, I think you're right. It seems more logical to that it should attack McCready first. But yeah, maybe it just knows. Hey, if I get Windows, then even if I get killed, then there's another of me, another one of me, mm-hmm. you know, waiting in the wings. So, uh, and maybe he's just the easiest target at this point. It's always go team for the thing. Right. <laughs> there is no, uh, there is an I in thing, though, I guess, <laughs> but not in team. <laughs> in the alien language, there's probably no I. In yeah, that. yeah. Let's, we can assume. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after that creepy over the shoulder shot, we cut back to uh, oh, over God. Windows' shoulder, and now we get a really disturbing look at, uh, <laughs> at what Palmer looks like at this point, uh, where it looks like. It looks like he was wearing a mask of himself and it melted onto his face or something. Oh, <laughs> like what it's... was Rob Boutine like as a child that he thought of this stuff? <laughs> right. You have to wonder. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's just got this like besides the fact that he's wearing Palmer's clothes and he has like some hair on his head. There's nothing to resemble resemble Palmer at this point. It's it's just this like grotesque sort of drooping face that sort of looks like it's melted off. And then it gets even worse. <laughs> uh, his mouth sort of, st- like, I never noticed that before the head splits open, the mouth kind of starts to droop down. Like, like you almost think that mouth is about to open and attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, you see its actual mouth, which is its entire head. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the entire head splits open, uh, which is, is one of those things that I think uh, is a pretty pivotal moment in special effects and monster design. Cause I feel like this is something that I see a lot now in something like, you know, you could say the Demi Gorgon and stranger things, uh, you know, owes a lot to the Palmer thing maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can think of, uh, you know, some, some creatures in video games like resident evil and things like that, that definitely seem like they've kind of taken this, this idea of like the entire head as mouth kind of thing. Uh, and I feel like this is the first place I could think of that I would really have seen that. So uh, I think uh, they all owe residuals to Rob Bottin for that. <laughs> it, rem- it reminds me a little bit of a Venus flytrap. Like yeah. that's, to me, that's the first thing I think of. And the the, the tongue that wraps itself around Windows's neck, uh, surprisingly not gooey. Like it looks actually kind of dry. Like of all the horrible thing effects, that one looks like. I mean, I'm sure it's painful because it's wrapping itself around your neck like a snake, but. It, like for, considering how much goo is in this movie, like that effect is actually looks relatively clean. Yeah. It's not as sloppy for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it is very kind of gross and rubbery looking all the same. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I was surprised to look, uh, you know, watching it really, you know, kind of in slow-mo or frame by frame. It does, you know, it, it does look like when the head splits open, that tongue does for just a frame or two kind of pop out and head towards windows. So it is, you know, it's all one. It, you you really get the sense that it's all one piece there. Um, yeah, so there, you know, there's some some poor puppeteer's got his hand in that tongue as the uh, as the head opens up. <laughs> um, and then I'm assuming the tongue is probably another reverse shot effect. You know, like like the tentacles we saw with the dogs earlier. It's just one of those kind of simple, quick things, but that that works really well. But yeah, it definitely looks exactly like uh, like what it's supposed to. <laughs> that that tongue is reaching out and grabbing him and pulling him in, and it all happens in the span of like less than a second, which you know is another. The, the editing sells it too. 
the thing has an unlimited bag of tricks, it would seem. Right. <laughs> I'm going to hide this podcast when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. We have no way of reaching the listeners to tell them to support the show by using the donate button at thethingminute.com while we're stuck here in this storm. If only they knew. <sighs> There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. Harper, out. So uh, it grabs him with the tongue, pulls him in, and then the giant mouth that was Palmer's head now uh, latches onto Windows and... Poor Windows, I don't think is gonna gonna survive this. Uh, it uh, it reminds me of one one of my other favorite uh, more modern horror movies, uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, where uh, the the sheriff gets hit in the head with a bloody uh, with with a, a a board with a bunch of nails in it, and he's kind of stumbling around with it, and they're like, oh, he's gonna walk it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not one that uh, Windows is gonna walk off. I don't think. I think from this the chomp forward, we know that uh, Windows is pretty much done for. We don't see everybody else get it. Like we don't know what happens to to Nalls, and we we kind of only see Gary for a second. But this feels like the most protracted thing. Death. I mean, it just goes yeah. on and on and on. Yeah, you're right. You know, like uh, Co- Copper is maybe the only other one that happens like in a very obvious on screen way. But even his only lasts for a few seconds before we kind of refocus on Norris itself. But yeah, here. It, it is like an entire, I mean, the rest of this minute, the next 20 seconds are, are windows being eaten alive or attacked or whatever <laughs> Yeah, by, uh, by the Palmer thing here. I always assume that copper died the minute he fell off the table. Like, I mean, of course he's in agony because his arms are off, but like, I assume that when he falls out of frame, he's dead, but, but, but windows manages to hold on all the way into the next minute, which just seems like agony. Just right. Absolutely. And, and, <laughs> Yeah, and on the um, on the commentary track, Carpenter refers this refers to the scene as hell on earth, and I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You know, if you had to watch this occur in front of you, you would be like, you your your human brain would just be like, I can't, I can't understand what I'm looking at. I right. just don't understand it. It's incredibly nightmarish, and like it it is. It's interesting because I think this scene is equally as terrifying as it is funny in some ways. Like pe- people who are maybe kind of uninitiated, I guess, when they watch this scene, it does seem, it seems a little, the whole ragdoll effect of, of, uh, of windows kind of flopping around does seem a little silly if you, you know, if you look at it in that, from that perspective, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just thinking about what's actually happening here, this is so incredibly terrifying. Uh, (laughs) you know, like windows, his, his head is in this giant mouth and then it's so strong that that mouth is able to lift him. Like, what is it even trying to do? Is it trying to like swallow him down or like <laughs> just flop him around as it try as it's like infecting him or like, and, and, and the other thing that always kind of gets me is when it's sort of flopping around, it, it, I, it always gives me the sense that like, it's trying to fuse its arms with, uh, with windows's arms mm-hmm, kind of, mm-hmm. because obviously Part of that is probably because in the effect they probably are all one piece, just so the the you know the the actor in the Palmer suit can you know is able to fling that kind of dummy around or whatever. But you know it's a it's an unsettling thing to think about just looking at it too. But it is it is almost like a, it's like something in the in the prequel that they actually do much more um, obviously on screen where they have two the thing kind of fuse with a living person on screen right. rather than than attack it. Um, that it feels like that's happening here until it throws the body off. I always feel like that's, I think seeing this the first time, I feel like that's probably what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, the movie creep show? Yeah. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. And there's a line in the, 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 um, the segment, the crate where Hal Holbrook wonders like, 
how much could it eat? You know, and he's just wondering how many victims can the can the can the crate monster possibly eat? And so when I'm looking at him he's trying to swallow windows, I'm like, well, where is he expecting windows to go? Right. Like, where 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 is that body going to fit? I don't understand. Right. Maybe there's some kind of like, you know, anaconda snake kind of thing where it's supposed to like this is its equivalent of like unhinging its jaw and trying to yeah. swallow. Like I don't even know, but. Uh. Yeah, it's uh, it's an like you know we've got everybody on the couch who's continually screaming and freaking out through this whole scene, and then now on top of that we've got Windows, you know, in his death throes, just screaming for help. It's like, it's just one of the most incredibly gross and unsettling scenes in the whole movie. Meanwhile, McCready is mad that the brand of flamethrower that the station came with is not terribly dependable. Right. It, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it seems to peter out at the least convenient moments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that we had the same thing with, uh, with Norris happening. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's, that's a, that's a horror movie trope, uh, for sure. The, you know, the car won't start, the flamethrower won't work, the gun jams or whatever. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's needed for the scene and it works because it allows McCree to still be the hero while not, uh, you know, not saving the day as quickly as, uh, as the effect would warrant. <laughs> right. He's, he's not Superman, which is, which is perfect. Right. So, uh, so we flop, uh, flop windows around some more poor old windows until he, he kicks the, he destroys the light fixture in the ceiling and all this glass, like as if things weren't bad enough. Now these guys have glass <laughs> falling on top of them. Uh, you know, so now they're, they're all trying not to get cut by this glass. And then, uh, then he throws Windows' body off onto the uh, the shelf of games, which we'll, we'll get a closer look at, at both the body and the games in uh, tomorrow's <laughs> minute. <laughs> but uh, yeah, poor old Windows is uh, is probably not going to last much longer. Nope. <laughs> and in- interesting enough, you know, because uh, because of the way things shake out in the script, he lives for quite a bit longer in the script. And uh, you know, in later minutes, we'll get into what what uh, what happens to him later because it's also pretty disturbing. But wow, I did want to mention that uh, in this in, since I brought up the script, um, there's some interesting differences here. The big one being that uh, in addition to the there being this big mouth on its head that's attacking Windows, while that's happening in the script, another giant mouth opens up on its back uh, and tries to attack McCready in the same way. But uh, Whoa. yeah, which is a pretty pretty interesting like i i wonder what that would have looked like in batine's hands um but yeah it had i guess it sounds like it had the same kind of tongue that was trying to lash out and grab mccready but he was able to dodge it in time um and uh which leads to uh mccready kills the palmer thing by instead of the way it happens in the movie he throws a piece of uh dynamite or explosive into that mouth on the back <laughs> uh, which is pretty awesome <laughs> I, I can't say I don't want to see what that would have looked like. I would think that would have killed everybody else in the room, though. Considering the explosion that we're going to see in tomorrow's minute, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have killed Gary and Nalls and Childs, which, you know, maybe would have been OK with McCready, but still. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe the uh, whoever the explosives expert was on set was like, uh, you know, that's like totally insane, right? Like this, <laughs> this would not work out. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'd I'd love to see some uh, even some sketches of what that might have looked like. Is pretty interesting to uh, to think about. But oh yeah, um, but yeah. So this is a uh, this is one of those minutes, man. This is uh, one of the certainly one of the most iconic uh, parts of the movie for sure that that people tend to think about when they think about the thing. 
Oh, I, I remember, you know, watching this movie on cable and just like these scenes were just so unbelievable to me. Like I just couldn't I just couldn't. I was a horror kid. I loved horror movies and, and I certainly liked, liked gory stuff. But there was I mean, you know, gore is one thing, but gore, when it's combined with good filmmaking, is just that much, of course, that much more powerful. And just, you know, this reminds me of like uh you know, the, the John Hurt scene in Alien, you know, where it's just like one of these iconic things where it's just this perfect mix of acting, directing, screenwriting, and then top flight effects. And then a willingness by the filmmakers to really go way out there and show you something that polite society says you're not supposed to see. And then, you know, here's John Carpenter, <laughs> you know, and the, the guy who starred in all those Disney movies. Right. Showing showing you this, this just this, you know, again, it's like a H.P. Lovecraft book come to life. You know, you just can't you, your, your human brain can't wrap yourself around what wrap itself around what it what it's looking at. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think uh, to me, that's why I always come back to to this being my my favorite horror movie of all time, because there are lots of other horror movies that do those individual elements very, very well, or maybe even better than this movie. I mean, you could, you know, something like suspenseful, you know, a suspense movie that, that does suspense better than this or a gory movie that does better gore than the thing maybe. And uh, I don't know if you could say there's another movie that tops the practical effects of this movie. That, that'd be, that'd be pretty difficult or, or, or a fun argument to have. But, um, but the fact that this, that this movie, you know, brings all those things together in such a perfect blend of all those kind of techniques uh to make it uh genuinely incredibly scary and and unsettling and uh and suspenseful is you know that's that's why i always come back to it that's that's why this is my favorite horror movie it, it just all works that's why you're doing it a minute at a time that's right i, I wouldn't be doing it otherwise <laughs> probably <laughs> so uh yeah but th- this minute really uh this week and this minute really um kind of exemplify all that i think for sure it's amazing so um, I think that'll probably do it for this one. Anything else you want to mention before we uh, wrap this one up? Uh, no, I, I just uh, I again I appreciate you giving me this 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 section because this is man this is a this is heavy heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's been it's been great talking with you about it for sure. So it's worked out. But um, yeah, so that'll wrap up uh, minute eighty four, I think. But. Uh, check out moviesbyminutes.com for a whole collection of other podcasts like this one and like the one that Rob does as well. So uh, there are tons and tons and tons. It seems like there's a new one almost every day. Uh, you know, if if the thing, if for whatever reason you're uh, you're 84 episodes into this podcast and you're like, eh, I don't know if I really like this uh, this thing movie, <laughs> then, uh, you know, check it out, uh, moviesbyminutes.com. There may be another movie that uh, you like more than this one that uh, might fill that uh, fill that void in your <laughs> daily podcasting life. <laughs> if the thing is too much, may I suggest clueless minute? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If you've, uh, if, you know, if, if this is it, if you're, you know, if this minute really just, uh, you know, this is too much, you know, give, give one of those other ones a try. There's uh for, for example, when I, when I was starting to look, uh, see if the thing had been taken, I, I got a little nervous when I discovered that thing you do minute. So that might be an, a good alternative. So uh, that probably, <laughs> I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I, I'll bet that it has very little in common with this show. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're not digging this, that's probably a good one to check out. <laughs> there's also that a thing called love. I don't know if there's a minute podcast devoted to that, but there's, I don't know if that has any connection. By the time this episode comes out, there probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> You've put it out in the ether now and now it's going to happen. I'm sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so definitely check that out and support all those other shows. You know, I'm just one one of many, 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 many wonderful Movies by Minutes shows. So definitely uh, support 
uh, all those uh, for movies that you enjoy. Um, but in the meantime, make sure you come back tomorrow for the last day of the week of the Thing Minute podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out.